In 2014, I had the opportunity to be a commissioner to our denomination's General Assembly, which is the governing body of our our national church. And it was an eye-opening experience. Now, General Assembly, it talks through all kinds of issues that impact our local churches, our, our regional governing bodies, as well as having some specific oversight and decision-making responsibilities for the entire church. Now, most years, there's, there's quite a bit of debate, uh, some conversation, and sometimes there's a bit of politicking as well. The, the year that I was a commissioner, there were over 600 overtures, 600 different issues that came to the floor And the one that caused the most division involved divesting from three companies involved in the Israel-Palestine conflict. Now, at one point, a pastor stood up and explained that 90% of his church worked for one of the companies that we were talking about divesting from as a denomination. And And he said, what is my congregation going to think if we pull all our resources from them? At another, I got up and a lobbyist literally followed me to the restroom to try to convince me to vote in a particular way. It felt like a shareholder meeting where the majority of those who were voting only saw a small percentage of the whole picture. When the vote was was announced, it was 310 yay to 303 nay. And there was an audible gasp that spread throughout the convention center in Detroit. Everyone was uncomfortable. It was one of the oddest things I've been a part of in the church. The discussion was as heated as it was, and the the discomfort was as palatable, palatable as it was, because where we invest our money matters. How we use our resources, where we buy our food, our clothes, our our cars, whatever it might be, it all says something about who we are and what we value, as well as what we we believe. And we can use what we have to bring healing and reconciliation to today's world or what we have can get in the way. In our first passage this morning from 1 John, John encourages followers of Christ to show love with our actions. Now, 1 John is a letter that was written Uh, specifically to a time in the church addressing some growing schism in the Christian community. The church was fracturing and splitting, and it was caught up in a a variety of debates around who Jesus was and what Jesus expected of those who claimed to follow him. So so John writes this letter to aim to to bring some clarity on, on a few issues. And in the middle of the debate, you can almost hear a tone that says, We've been talking a lot. Talk is cheap. It's time to act. He points to the story of Cain and Abel and then calls for living in a way that reflects Christ, laying down what we have to reflect the love of Jesus to other people. Now, our second scripture tells of an uncomfortable conversation between Jesus and and a wealthy religious man for who, from all that, that, that we know, had done everything right up until that point in his life. And as the two of them talk and as the disciples listen in on the conversation, we see where the foundation is laid for what John wrote about to the early church, the call to action. Here are these words from Luke chapter 18, starting at verse 18. 
a certain ruler, and, and today we would refer to this person as a local official, maybe somebody who sits on city council or has some type of authority. A certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus replied, what is impossible with with man is possible with God. And Peter said to him, we have left all we had to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Jesus is asked during this interaction two two different questions, one from the wealthy local official and then one from the disciples. And both questions have to do with priorities and our relationship with our stuff and with other people. First, the ruler asks, good teacher, what do I have to do? What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? The the title that the local official addresses Jesus with, it caught Jesus off guard. It it wasn't a common title that was typically given to a rabbi, and it it implied that the ruler was either trying to flatter Jesus or, or that he really believed that Jesus wasn't like the other rabbis that there really was something that set Jesus apart. And Jesus says, look, God alone is good. God alone is righteous. And you know what? You know the commandments. And the ruler says, oh, I followed them since I was a young boy. I've checked all the boxes. I'm good, right? It's the sort of works-based righteousness that still Uh, often prevalent in Western Christianity today, one that says, look, I'm a good person. I I value all the things I'm supposed to value. I'm usually kind. And I even, you know what? I even go to church every once in a while. I've got this. And Jesus responds with a challenge that was hard for the ruler to hear. and, And I imagine hard for us today as well. Oh, you're good, huh? Well, sell everything you have give the proceeds to the poor, then we can talk. Then come and follow me. Now there's a nuance that we can't afford to miss here. The the influential leader asks about the future. What do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus answers in the present tense. For Jesus, the future and the present are completely 
connected to one another. They're, they're, they're both equally important in the kingdom of God. Following Jesus is something that is done in the here and now. It's, it's stepping into some of the uncomfortable conversations that we've been talking about over the last few weeks with, with the goal of, of stepping into them lovingly, kindly, with the goal of being ambassadors of reconciliation in a divided in world, a divided world that's, that's full of angst. And if anything, anything at all, wealth, possessions, anything, gets in the way of following Jesus, gets in the way of loving others, the response is pretty straightforward. We need to rid ourselves of whatever it is that's getting in the way. But there's an underlying truth for, the, for this man as well. Maybe something he's missed is he's devoted himself to, to the commandments. He's hoarded all kinds of resources. While there are people in his community struggling just to get by. And Jesus says, you know what? It's, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Ouch. The rich and confident man who had spent a lot of his life devoted to what scripture has said, he, he turns away, obviously hurt. He had hoped to impress Jesus with his piety, with his devotion, and instead is asked to check his priorities. So as we think through our own lives today, when was the last time we, we took inventory of our priorities? Do you think about your stuff? Maybe the things that are piling up in your, your garage. Are, are we intentional with how and where we spend our money, where we invest? Now, whenever I think or, or really talk about stewardship, I go back to something. I, I can't help but think of something that was shared with me uh, 10, 15 years ago. And it was, if, if we're not sure what we truly value, if we're not really sure what our priorities are, are to look in three places, our, our bank accounts, our, our, our checkbooks, our calendars, bank accounts, our calendars, and wherever our mind wanders right before we fall asleep. The, the rich ruler had taken inventory of his religious piety, but tried to separate his church life from his other life. And Jesus looked at him and said, you have to look at everything. The disciples, they're listening in on this conversation. They, they see the man walk away and then they speak out. But what about us? That sounds impossible. Who can be saved? And Jesus answers, what's impossible with man is possible with God. Or as Eugene Peterson translates it, you've got no chance at all if you think you can pull it off by yourself. But every chance every chance in the world if you trust God. Not too long after the story, Luke tells of another interaction that Jesus has with a rich man that has a totally different outcome. Zacchaeus, many of us know the story. He's a wealthy tax collector, uh, presumably corrupt because of his profession, and he climbs up a tree just to get a glimpse of Jesus as Jesus walks by, and, and Jesus invites himself to his house. And Zacchaeus is shocked. Before Jesus even asks Zacchaeus to do anything, to give anything up, Zacchaeus commits to repaying those who he's wronged and to using his resources to better his community. His priorities are flipped. 
It's a great example of realigning our priorities to, 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 to with what God has for us to show our neighbors what God has for them. So the disciples say, well, what about us? We gave up everything. We left our families, which is something that we're going to kind of talk through next week, the uncomfortable conversations around families. We gave it all up to follow you. It's pretty much the same question that the wealthy man asks, except for one thing, except for one thing that that Peter adds. The, the, The ruler was focused on the future, remember? And Peter and the other disciples, they seem to be focused on the present. And and Jesus answers, you're right. You left it all. And you'll receive a great deal in this age today and in the age to come tomorrow. So when our priorities line up with, with kingdom priorities, when we use what we have to bring healing and reconciliation to a world that desperately needs it, We begin to experience the sort of life that God has promised us. And that is the reward. And the opposite is also true. When our priorities are are thrown off, even just a bit, we miss out on what God has for us. The leaders of our church here at WPC, our session and our staff, we are kind of entering the season where we're, we're taking inventory looking at the vision and the values that were developed last year, honing in on our our strategies and hopefully mapping out our priorities for where we're going as a church. It it should be a part of what we do every calendar year when we talk about what's next. And it's it's more than budget. It's, It's where are we going? It's an opportunity to check in on ourselves. Are we really using what God has given us as a church effectively? Are we encouraging people to grow as they follow Jesus? Are we serving our community and our world well? Are we creating meaningful community? Are we gathering in a a, a way to worship that, that glorifies and honors God? And as we have those difficult conversations as a church, I want to invite you to have them as well. Let's be a community that is constantly taking inventory, making sure that that our lives line up with what God has for us. Let's pray. Gracious God, we long to be a community. We long to be the church that you have called us to be. Lord, help us to, to spend some time being honest with ourselves, having those uncomfortable conversations with ourselves, taking inventory and checking in and saying, God, are we using what we have for you? God, that's our heart. That's our desire. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.